Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Celebrate. This is a weekly movie review podcast. Each episode we took take a look at a movie that was released during this week in history. We're starting with mostly movies in uh, 1998. We hope that you enjoy our show and we encourage you to participate here in discussion about this episode or what you want to see in future episodes. to greater heights than that, my boy. One day when you're older, you'll understand. That's it, John. Practice makes perfect. Now remember what I told you. Never talk to strangers. And we're back to 1998 after last week's trek a decade before. Yeah, so how are you doing, Steve? It was a long time ago. By the way, for those of you who want to have their illusion of how show business... Show we using sh- is this yeah. show business? No, I don't think so. No, whatever. For those of you who want to have the illusion destroyed, this is just a day later uh-huh. from our last one. Yes. We're just going to release it next weekend. Yes, because why can't we do it next weekend? Why I'm can't actually, we do our podcast? I'm going to a good podcast other than this piece of crap. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go watch The Dollop next weekend over in Indianapolis. So that's going to be fun. So yeah, we, we just recorded Bloodsport Friday night. It's Sunday afternoon, and we're back on yeah. the next one. We are. We would have done it yesterday, but you know the whole soccer tournament yeah, thing. Yeah, you had soccer tournament. And, and I you was, had to meet with some people. Yeah, I was doing things. I was hobnobbing with people. Hobnobbing is a good way to do things. Um, So we have done four episodes now. We're on to episode five. We did Dark City this week. Mm-hmm. Um, First time I've seen this movie. It was yes. just a few minutes ago. We literally just turned it off. Went from the couch over to where we're recording, so it is fresh and. We were snuggling on the couch. It was nice under a blanket, heater on, fireplace. I had champagne. Yes, it was very nice. Caviar. Yeah, just like in the movie theaters. Mm -hmm. Caviar, champagne. Um, by the way, I'm Steve. I'm Ryan. Welcome back. Um, so 20 years ago, back to 20 years ago in the box office, we're looking at what was it up against? How did it do? Well, let's start off. Kind of with the budget the thing had. Budget had about a $27 million budget uh, from what we could find. Yeah, estimated $27 million. It didn't, it didn't make it back. We're back to nope. movies that don't make their budget back. And this, this one's the first one that is really sad about that, that it didn't do it. Because I love Dark City. So it had a $27 million budget, made 14 overall. So a little shy. A little shy. Didn't little shy. do that well. I liked it, though. It opened number four, yeah, which it actually, of the new movies opening this week, it opened the highest. Yes, it did better than uh, the uh, gem of the Richard Dreyfus film, Crippendorf's Tribe, also beat Kissing a Fool, and a movie called Caught Up, which, if you put a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you a thing about it. Kurt and Courtney, also in there. That was a good that documentary. That must have been about uh, it was a good Kurt documentary. Courtney, yeah. yeah, it's a good documentary. I've okay. seen that one. Gotcha. Well, it didn't even... So, Register, yeah, so. so Dark City was the biggest of the new movies. It's behind, once again, Titanic, which only dropped 6% from last week. Um, the Wedding Singer. From and, what, two weeks ago for yeah, us? Yeah, from two weeks ago. And Goodwill Hunting, which is still going strong 13 weeks later. And the number five was as good as it gets. Yes. Which so. is about as good as it got. Yep, so Dark City is number four, made about $5.5 million this week, which, again, you know, it's not really that good. No, it's not. But again, you're still going up against Titanic, which is still just the steaming strong. Yep. It's not going to go down for a few more weeks. Nope, we still got a few weeks of Titanic being this like just record-setting pace, which I don't think will ever 
We'll never see another Titanic. No, we'll never see something that is number one that long. Something else will come along and knock it no. off its perch. And I honestly, maybe in the minority here, I didn't really like Titanic that much. As a movie, it was fine. Yeah, it was good. But it wasn't It wasn't what it, what it became in the box office yes. to me. It, it was just the right movie at the right yeah, time really against really weak competition. It really was. And, you know, speaking of movies that came around at the right time, you and I just talked about this. This particular movie, Dark City, really came along at the what is reality phase. Yeah, we're getting into the World Wide Web and yeah. the beginning of virtual reality. So this is one of those movies that what's real? How can you tell if it's real? Can you? Would you know if it's fake? Everything like that. And there's a lot of movies out around this time. Um, Johnny Mnemonic with Johnny Mnemonic. Keanu Reeves. The Matrix the Ma- with, with Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Reeves. Uh, Truman Show with Keon. Wait, no, no he's not. No, in not, that not one. he's not in that one. Um, there was the Catherine Bigelow movie Strange Days. Mm-hmm. A lot of movies about this time were about the same thing because we're coming to the millennium, the new millennium. You know, the end of the century, end of the be, world. Yep. Uh, Y2K is coming up. We've started World Wide Web, started doing virtual reality, which we're still trying to perfect that in 2018. I haven't got that right. Um, we're getting there. We got some cool stuff, but not quite there yet. But yeah, there's this whole story, this whole thing about what is real, how can we tell, where are we going, um, and this was just one of those movies that was about it. So for those of you who've actually seen this movie, we chose to watch the director's cut. Yes, the right way to go. Yeah, it really was based on what you told me and what I just saw. The director's cut, if, if you haven't seen this movie and you watch movies based on our recommendations, I'm sorry, but... Please watch this movie as the director's cut. Yes, watch the director's cut. It's pretty easy to find now. It's mainly the one that's out there. It's actually harder to find the just theatrical version. Probably. Um, but yeah, watch that because it's one of these movies that is a mystery. You have to solve what's going on. You're in the dark like our main character, John Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Um, and the theatrical version moves a lot of stuff so that you kind of know it's an alien movie. You kind of know that they're messing and experimenting with humans right in the beginning. And it's better when that comes gradually. You figure it out with the characters of what the hell is going on. Well, I made the comment, having talked about that, that it's it's very much like my favorite TV show of all time, which is Firefly. Mm-hmm. When Firefly was released, Fox took the, the, the first episode and said, this is too slow. Let's stick it in the third episode, move the third episode up to the first. And so in the first episode, people are watching this show going, why the hell should I care about these characters? Mm -hmm. So the way you want to watch this movie is the director's cut straight through. You start out having no clue what's going on, just like the main character. Yeah. And what the, you know, the synopsis is, is the movie starts out where with this guy, he, we don't know who he is, don't know anything about him. Wakes up with some blood and a hole in his little pinprick hole in his forehead mm-hmm. um, in this bathtub. Doesn't know what's going on. Um, go Gets out of the bathtub, accidentally breaks this um, fish bowl, puts the fish into the a bathtub. cup. So, yeah, bathtub, so he saves the fish. Uh, we get a nice shot of... Um, John Murdoch's ass. Yeah. Two Ruf- weeks in a row, we Rufus got man Sewell ass. ass, yeah. But he doesn't put it in liposuction. Slap. Um, <laughs> no liposuction <laughs> underwear this time. But he gets dressed, and as he's leaving, there is a dead woman, a dead hooker, which we find out later, on the ground with the Fibonacci um, spiral on her breast and on her stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, gets a 
notification from the guy down at because he's like in a seedy like apartment slash hotel mm-hmm. gets a thing from this guy that he left his wallet in this interesting like japanese type food place where you put mm-hmm. in the money and you get the stuff out not something that's around anymore it was around a long time ago right um gets his wallet he's trying to figure out his name because he knows it's jay murdoch but he doesn't know what his first name is so he's like Jim, James. He's talking to himself in a, in a, in a reflection in a store window. Uh-huh, we he, should also say, for for the setting of how this looks, this is very noir. Yes. Oh, I, that's what, I, I love this movie. And one of the reasons it is is that noir, neo-noir sensibilities yeah. to it. It's rain-soaked. Everything's in shadows. A lot of angles. Uh, trench coats, fedoras, torch singers. You know, it's got that noir look, but it's not quite a noir the cops are very noirish yeah you know uh humphrey bogart could have played um the main detective easily. 50 years ago and it would have made perfect sense easily i love the the shadow casting it's always dark it's just so it's so perfectly sci-fi noir uh-huh and so he gets his wallet finds out his name's john and these two cops are in this place is asking what's going on this another hooker comes and it's like oh just leave him alone and they go up and you think he's going to do something to her because he woke up in this hotel oh you think he killed her um he talks to her for a little bit sees that she has a kid and leaves so that he's, kid's messed up yeah <laughs> he's not going to be a killer mm-hmm. um then we leave him a little bit we also meet a doctor uh, who is supposed to be his psychiatrist, but the dude is just weird, played by Kiefer Sutherland with a limp and a stutter. And, and a, a messed up uh, right yeah, eye. Got makeup, so he's got a messed up right eye. Um, you find out that he is supposed to be the psychiatrist, but Murdoch starts following him around because he had his card with all of the clippings of his murders and everything, and he talks to these weird shadowy people. It's the first time we see them. They are all bald, very pale, make a clicking sound together, and he um, talks to them about uh, – he talks to Kiefer Sutherland, the about psychiatrist, Murdoch. about Murdoch. Why didn't this work? What's going on? Is everything going to be fine with the tuning for tonight? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you find out this is when you really first realize there's weird things going on. It's not a noir. It's not a thrill or anything like that. Um, Murdoch leaves there, sees stuff going on. And then goes to visit his wife about the only thing he remembers. Um, you meet Jennifer Connelly, Jennifer Connelly in this nightclub again. The noirish kind of look. She's singing this torch song, really smoldering, you know, sensuous song. Goes to the ho- goes to their apartment. Find out that she apparently had an affair and he left a while ago. Three weeks before he had left her after he got mad because she had an affair with someone else. Mm-hmm. And. Um, before she even talks to him, though, she goes to do a missing report for him, talks to the detective played by William Hurt um, Bumgard, and he has taken over this case from another detective that has totally gone off the deep end. No one's seen insane. him. Yeah, he has gone insane. And one of the things that this detective played by William Hurt, he is very fanatical about everything having its place. Everything has to be perfect. He, he talks even... to the one guy. Because his shoes yeah, untied. Yeah, you pointed out that the, the 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 officers, the beat cops' shoelace is untied. Yes, just everything has to be perfect. With yeah, him. he is neat and orderly. So yeah. he gets this case, which he doesn't want because it is not neat and orderly. It's Mm-mm. just about hookers. He doesn't really care. But he meets the wife, and um, he asks the wife Jennifer Conley, 
where's Murdoch? Where have you seen him? Do you know these six names? She's like, no, who are these people? These are, we these think are he killed, we think he killed someone. Who? All of them. And he laughs a little bit at that. Yeah, he's like, yeah. She gets mad. Yeah, all of them. He's like, I'm sorry, you know, this is where we are. And then when they have the meeting together in the apartment, she goes, they, you want for murder? I didn't kill anybody. I tested myself. I went to that. I went hookers to the, the place, place, and I left. I know I'm not a killer. I don't know anything. But I know but I'm not a killer. the one thing I know is I didn't kill anyone because I wouldn't do that. Because I didn't kill the hooker. Mm-hmm. So then um, we get to a scene where it's – it's always night, but at midnight, we have a scene that is very reminiscent of Metropolis. All of the silent film. Yeah, all the people are down in this basement, and they um, stop. We, we should say they're all the bald people yeah, all in the, the bald weird people. black coats. Yeah, so it's not like regular people. We don't know who these guys are yet. Yeah. Yeah, black coats, um, hats. A lot of them have knives that they carry around with them. They make this clicking noise, so... It's at midnight. They open this machine, the giant head, and it opens, oh. and everything in this town grinds to a halt. Including the people. Including the people. They all fall asleep. Cars stop. Nothing's going on anymore. And this is one of the most interesting scenes because right before the time stops, we go and we meet these two um, – this married couple. Who's – they're kind of having a dinner. Yeah, they're having a really late dinner of – in a fairly poor apartment. Yeah, salad soup? I never have figured out I'm what they're eating. Based on the apartment they lived in, the fact that they don't have much money. Cabbage? I'm thinking it's not much. It's like yeah. sustainable food. Mm-hmm. So this guy apparently just got off the night shift, and his wife is in curlers and a bathrobe ready to go to bed. And he's talking about his hard day, and she's like, well, try you know, taking care of these kids. And he's talking about how his boss is going to let him off the night shift and she's like that's good she should and then the uh engine starts they fall over and asleep with everybody else mm-hmm. um you see everybody asleep and we follow this these people because the psychiatrist comes in there um and all of a sudden this small apartment becomes this giant mansion and they change their clothes from he was wearing like blue collar workman's mm-hmm. clothes she was in a frumpy bathrobe to all yeah. of a sudden they both are dressed really nice he has a three-piece suit on she has a nice dress the table gets extended the table the table gets huge they have candlelight they have a huge fireplace now nice big meal they're eating mm-hmm. clearly now a rich person's apartment yeah and then they are woken up nothing changed you know they they can't tell that anything's changed this is what their life was like and now he's talking about who was his boss he fired him for insubordination so yeah he mentions that um the same guy's name who was who was going to be his, getting his off foreman. the foreman form, form, yeah. yeah and he says yeah i had to let him go today and the wife's like oh that happens to me blah, blah blah and it's really interesting because the other point you had made earlier before we see any of this happen, we meet the bell, the bellman at the hotel at the yeah, very beginning of the movie. At the front desk, and at, he's saying this, you know, you need cash on the barrel head. And it's this mm-hmm. white guy with, you know, beard, kind of scuzzy yeah. looking. The guy you'd ex- anticipate running uh-huh. a, a, a pay-by-the-hour hotel. Yeah. Then he goes up because Murdoch hasn't paid, and it's been three mo- three weeks. And he goes, three weeks is three weeks. He goes in, finds the dead hooker, and these guys that are pale and bald and everything are there. And they say, where's Murdoch? I don't know. Okay, and they make him go to sleep. And then the cops come. Yeah, and there's this black guy behind the yeah. bellhop saying the exact same thing. The things. exact same things. Like, I told him, cash on the barrel head. So it's the same character, but played by a totally different person. So that's the first time you're like, something Something's is weird. going on. So, yeah. Um, he then has a fight with some of them at the top of this Shell Beach um, 
billboard, which mm-hmm. Shale Beach is the one thing he remembers. The one time we see blue and daylight is whenever he's remembering this place where he grew up, Shell Beach. And he always asks people, how do you get there? No one can answer. They're like, oh, yeah, I love oh, Shell I, Beach. I know how to get there. It's take the take Main Street down yeah. to Oh, maybe it's where not Main the... Street. Where, mm. do you, where do you do this? So uh, no one can figure it out. And all he wants to do is get to Shell Beach. So um, they fight, you know, he's realizing what he can do and he can tune like them. That's what they call it, tune. So he fights a few of these guys, splatters one of their brains wide open against this billboard, and you see an I don't even know what to slug face hugger from aliens kind of thing come out of yeah. this thing and uh all the other people are like, Oh, that hurts my you know, this imagine really guys out sound. there guys out there, imagine getting kicked in the nuts. Yeah. And and, and your friend just got kicked in the nuts. You felt that. Yeah, this is what all these guys are going yeah, through. Yeah, they're right like, now. "Oh God, what's going on?" So then he gets away from them again, sees them do everything. He's still trying to piece together, and at the same time, um, Bumgarden and his wife are working together a lot to try to figure out what's going on. We also have we also meet the other cop, the one that went crazy, and he's talking about how it doesn't matter. He has gone to every single end. There's no way out of this town. Yeah, he have can't you- find the way. He Every street ends. Yes, it just ends. And then he's back to the beginning. He just thinks everything's circular. So, you know, before true detective, life is a flat circle. Mm-hmm. And he's drawing the Fibonacci circles everywhere. We just see that sequence. That's um, Murdoch's fingerprints for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, yeah, so he's – Bumgarden's talking to the cop that went crazy. He's like, your wife's worried about you. That ain't my wife. I don't know who she is. She won't be my wife in a few days. They keep just changing, mixing, and matching us. And everything, everybody thinks he's insane. Yeah, everybody thinks he's insane, but you actually know he's telling the truth. Um, then Murdoch goes down to, down to the subway a little bit later, tries to get to Shell Beach. He's like, I thought this was how to get to Shell Beach. That's oh, you have to train. get the express. So he gets off, and the train goes by. He asks the conductor, how do I get on that? Oh, you can't. It's the express. And then he sees the cop. He's like, you can't get to Shell Beach. There is no Shell Beach. There's no way out. But I figured out how to get out and just and he jumps in, jumps front, of in front of the express train, which that one comes around a lot. It does. For an express train, it goes pretty quick, and it comes fairly often. Mm-hmm. I'm so, sure our friends in places like Chicago or anywhere you have to ride a train can wish their that, express train yeah, would come, come that, that often. often. Yeah. But so now, you know, he's figuring everything out and mm-hmm. um, goes, talks to the psychiatrist again. Psychiatrist puts a gun, takes a gun out on him, shows him this syringe, and this is how they change everybody's memories. He's like, you got to trust me. I don't have time to explain it. Just do this. But at that time, Bumgarden, the um, cop, comes, points a gun at the psychiatrist and says, we're not going to do that. They, um, The main guy, Murdoch, puts this syringe that he wants into In his, pocket. his pocket. So, you know, we'll see that later. Um, the three of them go, and he's like, we're going to Shell Beach. The psychiatrist, Keeper Sutherland, really starts freaking out now. He's like, I don't want to go. Yeah. They get in this little rowboat, and they go down this canal. And then they get to um, this door. He opens the door. Um, Murdoch does, and you see blue. You're like, oh, it's the light. All it is is uh, a big. It's a billboard. Billboard. Of another one of it. And then the most you know convenient place two sledgehammers are right in front of this thing. <laughs> so Bumgardner and Murdoch start just hammering into the side of this yeah. wall. It's like we're going to figure out what the hell's behind this. You know, looking at don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain. Kiefer Sutherland's like, don't do this. And this is also after uh, Kiefer Sutherland tries to get away, and he's got this limp because oh, yeah. the guys did something. And Murdoch just goes up, and he's a really <laughs> big dick, and just kicks, kicks his bad leg out from underneath him. He's like, you're not going anywhere. So they drag him down here, and they open 
Mm-hmm. They like break through this thing, and all of a sudden, um, Baumgarten almost falls out. They're on a spaceship, you know. They're well, we they're in space of some sort. Yeah, we don't know that's a spaceship yet, but he almost falls out. Then some of the bad guys show up, Mister Book and Mister Hand, and all of them. Um, another fight. Bumgarter takes a few out with his gun, and then he gets taken and then out. Himself he gets taken by out with uh, going another out one, into space. and he falls out into space. And now, you know, the only thing this cop wanted to know is the truth. I want to know the truth. He so learned with, the truth. Yeah, with his last dying breath before he dies in the cold dead of space, he sees that the whole city is just a spaceship. With, it's just uh, one flat city. Yep, with floating the, in space with the machine that changes everything underneath. Underneath, and that's what we're at. That's what this city I, is. You know, and and for and for Bumgarner, he gets out there. And you said his his only wish was to see the truth. And, you know, I made the comment earlier when we were watching it. He got out there. He saw the truth. His last words must have been, huh, all shit. Right. Yeah, all right then. And that was the end of it. Yep. He was and done. Yep, and then he's floating off. And he's he, gone. He's going to get picked up because we'll see William Hurt in a few weeks and lost in space. So Yeah, he does get picked up. Spoiler alert. Yeah, he gets on the other we're ship. Fine. Yep. Um, so then um, we find out a little bit more because he's um, his wife is captured. Mm-hmm. And they say the bad guy, um, Mr. Hand, has been has at been this imprinted. Point, imprinted with the memories that Murdoch was supposed to have that didn't work. So now he's a serial killer. He's got a knife up to the guy's uh, wife, who he has fallen in love with because, let's face it, it's Jennifer Conley. I would fall in love with her, too. Whew. 1998 yeah. Jennifer Conley, which was at the I'm peak not... of her well, when... hotness and her – she went on a good streak of movies after this. It she was did. this – Beautiful Mind, which she won an Oscar for. Requiem mm-hmm. for a Dream. I mean, well, there was the one scene where pretty they pull movies. up in the in the, the uh, Bumgarner and her pull up in the car and try to get try to rescue Murdoch. Yeah. And at this point, he doesn't have all of his memories back. He doesn't know what's going on. And we both made the comment, you know, Jennifer Connelly pulls up and says, "Get in the car." I'm like, "All right, yeah, I would do it." I don't know. Sure. I don't know who you are, but yeah, I'll, I'm in. Yeah, fine. Okay, what do you Let's want go. to do? Yeah. <laughs> so um, he has to, you know. They do this thing where it's, they wave their hand over it and go sleep. So he has to submit to them, and he goes to sleep. He wakes up, and he's pretty much chained up. We should we should stop there for just a second and make it clear that up until that point, one of the problems they were having with him is he wasn't he, going to yeah, sleep he wasn't when going he was to supposed sleep. to. They kept saying it. He's like, nah. So he was seeing the city changing all the time. Yeah. And he's like, I'm good, dog. And yeah, he, and he falls asleep. Yeah, and he there's one part where he's, chased, he's being chased by them, and the slowest – Two um, oh, buildings yeah. are coming together, and this one uh, bad guy is just there, and he's looking at it. It reminds he shows me up in Austin Powers. Later. Yeah, I was about to say it reminds ah. me of that scene in Austin Powers where the guy just doesn't move, <laughs> and they're like, "Move, move!" Because like the building is coming really slow. He's like, "Oh no!" He and, just stands there and kind of screams. His buddy gets in and jumps yeah. through the window, but he's just but then there, like oh, his and he's butt, his um like coat gets stuck yeah. on the railing instead of the five minutes the he had off. to take the coat <laughs> off. He's like, "No." So, yeah, now we're at that point. He finally goes to sleep. He wakes up and is chained into this thing. And they in Metropolis, out, basically. Yes, in Metropolis, the, like, 1928 movie, not, you know, where no, not Superman, Superman We lives. should make that clear. It's not Superman. Yeah, not Superman Metropolis. You know, the silent Fritz Long Metropolis. Yeah. Um, so he wakes up. He's all caught up. They figured out he has evolved. He has their powers. And what the only thing they want is they keep changing everything around because they're dying. Yeah. And humans are living, and they want to know what their soul is. So they think if they keep changing their soul around and giving them They'll all these different synopsises, is. they'll figure out the soul. So now they're ready to imprint him with because they're the hive mind. They're the Borg, pretty much. Yeah. I made that comment, as a matter of fact, when he woke up, and the one guy yeah. was leaning over him with, with that, the eyepiece. Like, yeah, yeah, the eyepiece thing. So they have one hive mind. So now they're going to 
give him their hive mind so they can all work together and, I don't know, live, I guess. I don't know what their end goal is. Yeah, to live, I They're guess. They're clicking. Yeah, I can't clicking. understand clicking languages. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that Chekhov's gun where if you introduce something earlier, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. So Kiefer Sutherland's there. He's supposed to administer it. He reaches into his pocket where he took the one that Kiefer Sutherland wanted him to take earlier and injects that with them. And Which so, is the, the memories that Kiefer Sutherland's character said, this will teach you everything. Yeah. You'll learn it all right now, how to so, defeat them. So now we go in this flashback, and he's seen what he was supposed to have, like his background with... Except Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, except for Kiefer Sutherland keeps showing up. He's an ice cream man at one point. He's a school teacher. A school teacher, he's firefighter. Like a ball coach or something. Yeah, he's there, all these different things. And he's teaching them about the strangers, which is what we're calling them now. Yeah. About the city, about how to tune, and everything like that. So... After then they figure the um, strangers figure it out. They're like, "Oh, get him!" But it's too late. Um, Murdoch wakes up and he just bursts out of this thing that's holding him, and it just melts to the ground yep. with this cool. You know, it's 1998, and it was a low budget movie, so it was a cheesy effect, but, but still, it still worked, still cool. And then we have the giant tuning battle between him and we, the old dude named Mister Book. We should say that tuning is like psychic psychic powers. powers yeah. And, of course, it's 1998, so anytime they use any sort of psychic ability, because audiences aren't smart enough to figure out what's happening, they have to, they have have the to put in the little Ray whoosh. Yeah. It's like this whoosh coming out of everybody's head. So, yeah, now we're having a psychic battle between Mr. Book and, and Mr. Murdoch. Mr. Murdoch. And just shit's blowing up now. Everywhere. You know, every, the buildings are coming up and out and jutting into each other, and they get, you know, they're floating in sky, space and so you know one thing they didn't they didn't ever rectify and clarify in this movie there had to have been hundreds of people killed up on the surface because they were all asleep yeah yeah there just, had to have been hundreds of people killed by these buildings just jutting up in the middle of the road yep. i saw a few cars flying uh-huh not there wasn't as much death and destruction until man of steel comes out like yeah. 15 years later yeah. yeah so they're just fighting these two um finally murdoch gets the upper hand and takes one of the knives that all these guys had after killing this really creepy kid, by the way. Thank that God. Was, he oh, was creepy. man, that kid was creepy. Yeah. Um, and they, he gets a knife and throws it right through Mr. Book. But that can't be the only way he dies. No. then he's floating through space, like thro- floating through the air, blood everywhere. Murdoch does his tuning, has this um, <laughs> big... Um, Water tower because we figured out that these guys do not like water. So slams them into that. Slams into the water tower. It explodes. Water everywhere. And then you just see um, the little alien thing come out and, yeah, and blow, up. blow up. Yeah, he, he like burns. Yeah, burns up. So that's the end of that. So now all we have left is he wants to be with his wife, but it's not his wife anymore. Her she's name been is imprinted. Now, now. She's been imprinted. Her name is now Anna. And she but works she's in the movie still, theater. Yeah, she still wants to go to Shell Beach. So he makes. Finally, he has to make it himself because he has the power. He makes Shell he Beach. makes Shell Beach. He sees her there. He goes, "Hey, how do you get to Shell Beach?" She's like, "It's right over there." Do you want to go with me? Sure, sure, I'll go with you because you're Jennifer Conley. And um, they go together. End of the movie. You know, the end. We get it's a... that everybody lives happily ever after, even though they don't know what Earth is and they're floating through space. And I guess he's the only one that knows about it. My guess is he's the only one that knows what's happening. But he ha- he has to tell them because he made Doesn't he? the ocean that literally goes to the Nowhere. end of the earth. So this the is flat, flat earthers earth- yeah. are going to be happy. This is a flat earther's dream. Yeah. 
Because like, somebody's going to sail out there and fall off the earth, and somebody's going to go, that son of a bitch! Yeah. <laughs> so he's got to tell them something. It's like, yeah. hey, have you noticed how we have daylight all of a sudden? Yeah, because we haven't had daylight in a long time. 25 We're years. guessing it's been 25 years, because everybody who says... Something. Something he's like, is how long have you been working here? Been working here 25 years. years. How long have you been a cop? My 25 25th, years. 25th year, so... You know. So we're thinking they've been here for 25 years. Uh-huh. We don't know because there's a it's lot. It's never of, said. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, and I like that. You know, there wasn't that character that explained everything. Kiefer no. Sutherland explained enough, but it wasn't like they got you from here. They don't even know what Earth is because they. Um, there's a part where the cops like, "Where are we from?" And Kiefer Sutherland, the poor guy, he was a scientist, and they le- let him leave his skill with science, science. But they show this flashback of him having to permanently delete his background. So he doesn't know his name. He doesn't know who he is. Yeah. He just knows what's going on. So no one knows what Earth is or what they are. They don't know they're human, so, anything like that. So I guess they just build their civilization from there. Yeah. On this floating... And it's cool because it's from all these... Like, the look is so cool because they... Uh, Kiefer Sutherland oh, says... Eras. He got... We got it from a lot of different... The memories from a lot of different times, a lot of different eras, yeah. a lot of different places. So... There's 20s, there's 40s, there's a little bit of 50s, there's a little bit of 70s in there. Clearly. There's, you know, American, there's, you know, some European feel to it. And it's just this really cool-looking thing. I loved, because I noticed, one of the things I started to think of before I, I realized what was happening is, what time frame are we looking at here? And then they explained that at the end, because there were so many things that were not the same. Yeah. And then they explain it at the end. I was like, ah, it makes perfect sense. It reminds me of Batman the Animated Series, actually. It really reminded me of Batman the Animated Series. Because it's the same thing. This Gotham City, it's like the 40s, but then there's stuff like from the 80s and 90s in it, too. And flying bat jets. Yeah, and, and Zeppelins and everything like that. It's the same It's the same thing here yeah. that we have a little bit of all times, and it was just the coolest look. So that's what the movie was. I've watched this movie a lot. I've seen it since 98. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, Steve? My thoughts on the film was, to start with, coming into it having never seen it until today, I really enjoyed it. I like noir films. I like sci-fi films and fantasy films. And it kind of combined all three genres together. Yes. Um, it did really well at keeping you in the dark. I made the comment earlier as we were watching it, it almost felt like a video game. Mm-hmm. You wake up at the beginning of the game, you don't know who you are, and you have to put clues together, and by the end, there's a boss fight, and you win. Yeah. Or you die. Mm-hmm. And that's what it felt like, and it really, they really did it well. Um, the music was good. It kind of was knife's edge music, yeah. kind of a semi-synth music. Yeah, dun, 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 you know, a it lot of... It was really good. Syncopated music and but everything. But it also, even the music, to me, threw back to um, Metropolis. Yes. Because that soundtrack that they... You know, even yeah. silent movies had the soundtrack on top of it. Mm-hmm. It really felt like that. Yes, and you could see the directors in the influence of, of Metropolis on this movie. It was I liked it. The acting was good. Um, the lighting was good. They explained just enough at certain points to leave you on the edge, mm-hmm. and and the rest of it was just kind of left off to your imagination. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Like I said, um, I remember seeing – I didn't see this in the theater, but at this time, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, her dad was a video store rep. So he got screeners mm-hmm. so he could watch it and tell people how many copies to get at video stores. For those younger, video stores are where you used to go to rent movies. 
But that's yeah. what he was doing. And we got this screener. She brought it over to my house. The movie came out in February. They got it like a month and a half later. So like into March, I'm like, I didn't really want to see this. But, eh, you know, we got nothing to do. You turn it on. We both loved it right away. Um, this was one of Ebert's favorite movies from the late 90s. Mm-hmm. If you want to see a person gush about it, read Roger Ebert's review of this. Mm-hmm. Or listen to his commentary because he will pick apart the movie and it's better than four years of film school just listening to him talk about this. So, yeah, I love this movie. Um, I would put it on that same pedestal as The Matrix. You know, I like it just as much. It's just as visual. Um, not quite as visceral because it doesn't have the gun food right. or anything like that. But, you know, as being a really cool story, being a really cool main character and visual, it is on that level. And I it's would, just sad that it didn't do well. I would put the final fight scene above the final fight scene of Bloodsport from last week. Yes. Honestly, I would because even there's though... There's no blinding in this There one. was no blinding, but... The dramatic effect of everything blowing up and moving, and 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 the and here's the best part of the final fight scene: there was no fighting. It was two guys. When you really look at it, staring at each, at each other. other. Yeah, that's all it was. I bet before the special effects, it's really it was funny an to awkward watch it. scene. Yeah, just two them. guys just kind of staring. We're gonna we're gonna go quiet for a minute. I mean, that's what it was. Yeah, for, that's what for the a good seven, eight, nine, ten minutes. Yeah. All you right, know. now look at him like he farted really bad. Mm. Now look at him like you smelled that fart. <laughs> That's um, what is. What are the director's notes for that? Yeah, exactly. And I know. So yeah, like, and it was a low budget, like low film, but it looks great because does the effects hold up well today? Some of it, not so much, but I think that adds to its appeal, just to the whole visual look mm-hmm. of it. And this was um, the director Alex Proyas. This is the movie he did after The Crow, which is another very visual movie of the 90s. I absolutely love The Crow. Yeah, and this was like a great follow-up. You know, it took what you could see as a promise from The Crow and really did it. And sadly this didn't do well, so I would love I would still love to see him get 200 million dollar budget and see what he can do. But the promise mm-hmm. is last movie was Gods of Egypt, so he's in the same purgatory, I think as John Landis from Blues Brothers 2000. <laughs> and, and rightfully so. Yeah, but he, I mean, like, is such a visual film, you know? You yeah. can say, is the story the greatest thing? No, it's, you know, very, he's the one, he's going to change stuff. But it had cool ideas. It had a great look, great costume design. Yeah. Um, great acting. And wonderful cast. You're right. And and you mentioned the one, and, and there, there are a lot of... You know, parallels to the Matrix. Yes, the scene at the and end. This where came he out a year up. before the yeah. Matrix. We have to say that again. Yeah, we should make that clear. This is one year before uh-huh. the Matrix comes. That out. a guy that has the power of the bad guys has to Takes free everybody, and the end scene is him taking their power after he's caught, captured, and winning. Yeah, and then changing the world into what he wants. Yeah, I mean, it is it close is the, to the same story. Yeah. And you can even see that scene, like when when Neo wakes up and turns around and, and holds his hand up and says, "No, no," you know. You can see that in this. In when this, he, when he when he wakes up and he actually moves what he's chained to and like melts it down and just stands there in front uh, of all these people. That's his scene where he goes, "No." Yeah. You know, and I love that. I love it, even a, a year before the Matrix. Yeah. So you know, and that gets us to the next one. Does it hold up? Hell yeah. It oh holds yeah. Up. Noir films always hold up. Yeah. I could watch. Noir films from the 50s. I can watch noir films from today. Yeah. I don't and, care. Yeah, they all hold up. Yeah, they're great. And this is one of those movies I show a lot in my class because mm-hmm. when we talk about noir, I'll show them 
the big sleep or I'll show them double indemnity or I'll mm-hmm. show them uh, Rebecca, something like mm-hmm. that. But then I'll show them something like this and be like, this is what you can do with those tra- trappings of that genre. Sure. But do this. And when I show this, even though it's 20 years old, teenagers, like 16, 17, 18-year-olds, flip for this movie. They're like, yeah. I didn't know this thing existed, and I've had them that love it. So It's this a good movie, movie. It holds up. This whole movie holds up oh, great. I think it does. And the only thing that may not hold up to me – the only thing that may not hold up is the special effect of the brain critters. Yeah. A quick S, a quick special effects tweak on that. Yeah, done. But like I said, kind of like the thing now, from yeah. like the nineteen eighty three John Carpenter one. Uh-huh. Bad effects, but those bad effects are kind of part of the what movie. I like about the movie now. Yeah, it just makes it creepier. Sure. So yeah, I I agree. Um, so what what's your best scene? The movie? I mean, can I say that um, the movie was good? I would say my favorite scene is the first time you see the whole place shut down and they have the two people that you didn't know anything about and they're the – Where the changes. Yeah, and, and they're the poor people and then yeah. they change everything and all of a sudden they're rich. Yeah. Because I think that's just really well done. And then I like that and I like um, any time that they had the flashbacks and just all of a sudden there's blue and like white and it blinds you. The and use of color that, was so good. Yeah, and it's got a little cool bit of music. color. Yeah. For me, honestly, having just seen it, the very first scene when he wakes in the bathtub. Yes. And that, and here's why I say it's my favorite my favorite scene. When he wakes up, there it's raw, it's powerful, it's emotion, it's fear. Exactly. It's confusion. And it hooks you from minute one. Uh-huh. And doesn't let you go. And the thing I love about that is the, the, when the movie starts, there's this weird lighting thing going on. Yeah, the lights. And it's swishing swinging. back and forth. And you're like, what's going on? And then it's so great because then you see this flashback of um, – the psychiatrist, the scientist is in there and the guy wakes up and he wasn't supposed to. And you see Kiefer Sutherland hit his hand against this lamp and that's and what's it causing it to swinging. Switch. So, so literally the movie starts within 30 seconds of the psychiatrist leaving that room. Yeah. And like when they do that later, I'm like, that's awesome. So, yeah. So for me, that very first scene, it just, yeah. I mean like it sucks you into the movie. It You're does. Like, I'm ready to go. It does. Let's go. It's, you know, if you ever do book studies or anything like that, they teach you when you're writing a, a paper and you did marketing mm-hmm. the first line is the most important call me ishmael we all yeah. know exactly from that line it was the best what time of the worst is. time yeah it was the best time of the worst time yeah. we know that and this movie that first scene is their call my ishmael yeah and that's why so many especially tv shows now but even movies they do this media and res thing where they'll start at this big explosion and then they're like it wasn't always like this and then they'll, yeah they'll pause it and then 48 hours earlier. Yeah. They do that so it caps, captures you. You know, they want you to see the good stuff first. And, yeah, this movie figured out a way to do that. Yeah, and it, and it, this movie figured out a way, a way to do that and keep it linear. Mm-hmm. Which, not, not in theatrical cut. Yeah. Well, it's still linear, but it's not yeah, as linear. Yeah, you know, and if you're a fan of this movie... Just look at some websites that show you the difference and where they do stuff. It's very interesting to see mm-hmm. how a cut of a movie can really be a difference. So we talked about the best scene. What's what do you think is the worst scene? I think it, the only, really, the only scene that I didn't like mm-hmm. was at the very end when Jennifer Connelly's character is standing on the pier. Mm-hmm. And the reason I don't like that is because how the hell did she get there? Yeah. Because literally, he just made the pier, and he uh-huh. just made the door. He opens the door, and she's there. Yeah. That's the only thing I don't like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I really love the whole movie. I don't, there's a bad scene in it, but 
Maybe one I'd give is um, it gets a little hammy with the guy that imprints himself at certain points where he's like, I'm a serial killer. It's like, yeah, I get, get it. it. We get you it. Know, you don't need to go back and kill the woman. But You don't need to be carving up another yeah. pair of boobs. And like the, the weird thing is in the theatrical cut, in the director's cut, this um, the prostitute that he goes to, he sees that she has a kid and he leaves. They cut the kid out, and later on in the movie – that's how Bumgardner and his wife figure out there's something else going on because they find the girl and, and she saw the those. yeah she saw the killing and she drew the picture. So taking that out, why you know I don't remember the theatrical cut. Why does he ever believe him? I can't imagine why you would because that's so, like classic hook that something's going on. Uh huh. What's the champion of the film? Champion? I don't know. I mean, like they're all good. I think the champion of the film is really Alex Proyas, the director. Yeah. I mean, brilliant. Every, like, you know, if I had to go with an actor, I really like William Hurt in this because he's just got this kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, gumshoe kind of downtrodden. I've been doing this for years. Nothing surprises me anymore. Yeah. But, you know, if I had to do, like, if I have to say, what's the reason this movie's so good? It's Alex Proyas. It it's, is. It's because he wrote it. He directed it. He was the, you know, main guy behind it. So I would just have to go with that. I don't disagree with you. Um, Murdoch's good. Mm-hmm. Obviously, most of the movie focuses on him, and so he's he's the one that's going to have to hold your attention through the mm-hmm. movie, and he and, does. And also, you know, with the actor, he needs to be a blank kind of canvas because you're supposed to be figuring out the stuff too. The actor's really good at being blank. I kind of wonder <laughs> if he's blank. Yeah, but because I even made the comment. When he went back to the apartment and Jennifer Connelly's there, I'm like, well, it's no wonder Jennifer Connelly cheated on you. You are, She is way out of your league. Yeah, you're, she's a little out of his league. So. No, but I, I would say it's him. Yeah. I would say it's Murdoch because he's the one that focuses on – he's the one that's going to have to to carry the device and move it forward. Another really impressive one is Kiefer Sutherland because he has so many yeah. ticks in this movie. He does. That, that could have gone so bad, but he does it well enough that it's not annoying because – you know, that could have gotten really annoying for most people. Well, and one of the things he does is he speaks in just a few words at a time mm-hmm. before a breath. So he'll say, and then he got to, like almost yeah. an Igor. Yes. He, yeah, he he's got it that off Igor. really well. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, that was a tightrope walk. Because yes. if he would have strayed a little bit, he would have plunged off of it. Would this film do well today? I think it would. I think it would. I think if this movie came out today, it would do a lot better than it did back then. I think. It w- it's one of those movies, and there's a lot of them out there. It was ahead of its time. It was. It was. I think I even would go so far as to say if you put this movie out in 2000. Yes. Which is a year after The Matrix. Yeah, a year after The Matrix, two this years after This would have done this. better. Yeah. But I think today it would do very well. Yeah, I think I this movie is on, was honestly ahead of its time. Uh, yeah. Um, sign, this movie scared New Line at the time. They didn't know what they had. They didn't mm-hmm. know how to market it. They marketed it really weird. Um, they tried to make it an action film. After The Matrix, you know, people were more susceptible to this kind of movie. And it comes out a few years later. I think it would have been it – w- it never would have been The Matrix. It wouldn't have made no, that much. No, But I bet it, it was $27 million. I bet this could have done 50 I bet it could oh, have yeah. done 60 Yeah. Maybe even 75 It's not a summer blockbuster. No. But it's a, it's a solid hit. Yeah, you put this movie out in October – Solid. It's yeah, it's going to be a solid double or triple. It's not going to be a home run, but – No. And it's just ahead of its time. Because this was, you mentioned it's ahead of its time. This was one of the first of the what is real movies. Yeah. So this kind of 
is starting to kick off. Think of think of it this way. I mentioned earlier when we were talking about the Marvel movies, mm-hmm. and think of some of the early Marvel movies and how they don't hold up to what the Marvel is today. Yes, that's what I think this is. Mm-hmm. If you put it later in the franchise, it does a lot better. Yeah, even like the same idea, but just you know, see where it goes. And like I said, maybe add a little bit of the visceralness of yeah. Matrix. Yeah, this movie could be a big hit. Yeah, this and, is solid. And that gets me, you know, who would you recast? I've been thinking about this a lot since we were going to do this movie. So for Murdoch, uh-huh. Sebastian Stan. Talking about Marvel. Oh, it's got to be Sebastian Stan. Bucky. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, Bucky would be perfect in this. Yeah. Um, For his wife, you got to have someone that's that bombshell gorgeous. Alexandra Daddio. I would go Amelia Clark with the, with the dark hair. Yeah, she she's really good, but I don't know if she's got that voluptuous. I don't know. I look I, to her. I I love her and everything, but yeah, I'd go with Alexander Daddio because she's just got that bombshell kind yeah. of look. Yeah, I think both would do fine. Uh huh. Um, for Bumgardner, Window Pierce because I love Bunk from The Wire, and he sure. could do that role he in his sleep. That off. He'd be really good in the Grundle thing. Um, Kiefer Sutherland's role. Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland. He doesn't look any different. Yeah, he he can still do this. Yeah, just let him do the role again. And then finally for um, the creepy dude, Mr. Hand, Charlie Sheen right now. Charlie Sheen right now. Yeah. Don't even let him go into makeup. Just with how he looks would be creepy enough. David Tennant. David Tennant. Ooh, he'd be good. He'd be good there. Mm-hmm. He, he can play that creepy character really well. If yeah. you saw Jessica Jones. Yeah, he would be. I like that. David Tennant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he would do well Maybe there. Charlie Sheen can be the creepy like alien kid. God, Charlie Sheen right now could, yeah. Um, what would you pay to rent this movie? Well, I don't need to rent you, it because right there on my table. I have owned the um, VHS of it, and then I got when it came out on DVD, I got that, and then when the director's cut came out on Blu-ray, I got that. So I would say I would pay a lot for it because I've bought it three <laughs> different times. Here's my answer to that: Don't rent this movie. Buy it. Yeah, it's like six Buy bucks. It. It's probably six bucks, even if it was twelve or thirteen. It's worth it. It's worth the money, and this is probably the first one that we've seen that I would say unequivocally buy the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, like I liked Bloodsport. I liked. Um, I like Wedding, Wedding Singer. Wedding Singer. I like. I didn't like. No, the other never mind. Yeah, that like was it. And Wedding Singer. Yeah, but this is the first one where I like. I actually would call it a masterpiece. It's a classic. And it's we're going ahead. to go down. You know, as more people see it, as the time goes by, it's going to get more and more. Esteem. We're going to get to my version of this movie in a couple weeks, but because I have like 17 copies of Army of Darkness up yes. there. Yes. Oh, I have enough of those too. Yeah. I bought the Boomstick Edition, the Director's sure. Cut, the Screwhead Edition. I know all of those editions. Yes. By the way, that episode is going to take us longer to record than, than the, the movie, movie is. is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, honestly. Buy it. Yeah. Just buy it. Watch this movie. If you have not seen this, this is the first one I will do this for. Not the last, because we got some good movies coming up. But this is the first one I'd say, if you have not seen this movie, watch it. It is worth it. Don't know anything about it, other than no. I spoiled the hell out of the whole movie for you. So if you're this if far, gotten, sorry. If you've gotten this far in the mo- in, in the podcast, and you hear us say, buy this movie. We should have put that at the beginning. Yeah, buy this. Buy this movie. And turn the podcast off. Imprint yourself with... Yeah, the lack of this podcast memory. Yeah, exactly. And watch the, the movie. Get the syringe, put it in there, watch the movie. And then listen to the podcast again. Yeah, because it is – and that will help our uh, listeners It will help too. our listens too. Um, but this is a wonderful movie. Like I said, I, I show this 
to my class. And, you know, it's one of those things that if I talk to someone and I'm like, do you like Dark City? And they say, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to be your friend because that's cool. Yeah. I was, I, we actually, this is the first movie we've watched together because mm-hmm. when Steve told me he hasn't seen it, oh, I'm like, yeah. I want to watch it with you. Yeah, you told me we had to watch this one together as soon as I said that. Uh-huh. And now I know why. It was good. And I said that about Blues Brothers 2000, but that was more just <laughs> I wanted someone to hold me. And I needed some, by the time that was over, I needed comfort. Yeah, and spoiler, we are going to watch Lost in Space together, maybe with another uh, one of my buddies, and there will probably be some... Uh, we're going to have crying. Yeah. No, there will probably be some uh, brewskis involved as well. You know the movie Drunk History? Could we could we record the podcast drunk? drunk. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> drunk podcasting, for, because the alien monkey thing from Lost in Space drove us to drink. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, to, to end up, though, watch Dark City. If yeah. you haven't seen it, watch it. If you've seen it before, watch it again. If you've seen it but haven't seen the director's cut, watch the director's cut. Watch the director's cut. Don't watch the theatrical. Or watch the theatrical and the director's and compare the two. Yeah, because I I love I fell in love with the theatrical cut, but the director's cut's even better. So. Right. Um, so that's it for this movie. I liked it. I loved it. Watch it. We got some good ones coming up, as I mentioned. Uh-huh. Um, other than that... Yeah, our next one actually is another movie that is a cult classic oh yeah the big lebowski Lebowski. and if you have not seen the big lebowski before we watch before we talk about that here in a couple weeks or next week yeah next week i'm pretending this is next weekend yeah this is next weekend what are you talking about if you haven't watched march yes it is it's march i don't know second third fourth whatever day it is um but if you haven't watched that yet Please watch it before you listen to that podcast. Actually, watch it twice because I don't think anybody likes it the first time. You have to watch it twice. You know, it's kind of like uh, Ocean's Twelve. <laughs> I like I, I, the first time I watched Ocean's Twelve. I didn't like it. The more I watched it, the more I enjoyed it. Oh, okay. So, um, other than that, have a thanks, good week. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. We yep. hope you keep contributing, keep listening, keep sharing it with your friends. Tell people about the show. We like Tell to people about Dark City, too. Tell people about Dark City. We may have some changes coming up in our show here fairly soon. We may have yes. some additions and things like that. We'll talk about that more when that gets finalized. Uh-huh. But uh, until then, any, you got any last words on Dark City? No, it's a great movie. Bye. I love it. it. Yep. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Do you know Shell Beach is around here? I think that's it, just over there.